Well, happy Father's Day. I was thinking this morning when I was out uh, setting and watching my little rabbits playing around. I, I give them a little bit of corn and lettuce and all that stuff. But as I was watching them, I was like, it's Father's Day. And I don't know if I ever did this. I don't know why I never thought of it. But I said, hey, God, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, God. And, uh, and then I also began to thank him for my dad. But, you know, even with uh, the Bible says that God said unto us, he said, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and you will be my daughter, says the Lord all, God Almighty. And, you know, when we ask Jesus into our heart, the Bible says that he takes his spirit and he puts it into our hearts where we cry out, Abba, Father. And Abba means daddy. You know, sometimes I want us to get to a place where we move past Father, our Father, and we move into God as our Daddy. So, so He puts His Spirit in our heart and we cry out, Abba Daddy. And I just want everybody to say, Happy Father's Day, God the Father. Happy Father's Day, Father. Happy Father's Day. And you know, I was blessed to grow up with a dad that imitated what it was to be a, a father. He gave me a good picture of what our Heavenly Father is. And I know some of you maybe can't say that, but my dad was an imitation and he represented the father well and how he, can, how he uh, transacted and did life with me. So today I told my dad, I said, dad, this isn't a scapegoat. I didn't forget your Father's Day card because I have done that before. But I said, I didn't give you a Father's Day card in the mail. I actually wrote you a five page Father's Day card today. And I need you to listen online tomorrow and it's going to be five pages about how my dad imitated the father. The first thing I want to say is my dad, he was present. He had a strong commitment to me as a son. And you know, I thought, what does it mean to be present? Is the perfect introduction to mindfulness towards your kids and mindfulness towards their needs and towards uh, what they're going through and letting them know at a young age what empathy really means. You know, being present, dads, is noticing when someone needs help. Being present is waiting patiently, maybe when we take a wrong turn or do something wrong. Being mindful and being aware and being present is you're aware of your surroundings, you're focused on what's happening now, and you're fully conscious of the moment, and you're free from the noise of internal dialogue. Sometimes we can get that internal dialogue going on that we can't see around us. And being present is you're following so closely that you're walking through life with your children, with your spouse, with the people around you, that you are fully present emotionally, physically, and mentally. You're there. You're there. And my dad was there. My dad was there at birth. He was there when he had me when I was born. He's been there during my life, and dad is even with me now. My dad was at all my track meets, all my football games. Uh, he still even listens to the Sunday sermons and calls me and says, Brian, I'm so proud of you and the person that you come. My dad has always been present. I want us to think about another thing that dads can be. My dad was always present. I want that to be something in our heart. But the second thing is my dad was a shepherd to me, a shepherd to me. Like his family was truly his flock. He was a shepherd. He was like God to that, to me. And the Bible says in Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A lot of people don't realize it, but when it says walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's actually talking about a wandering heart. 
How many of you have ever had a wandering heart where you've kind of wandered away from the fold of God or you've wandered, wandered away into things in life that have taken you away of being in the best place that God wants you? Well, that's what that means when it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says, I fear no evil for thou art with me. My dad was with me in the good times and the bad times. He was the shepherd that when I had a wandering heart, he would seek me out and he would take the rod under his, a rod with a spear, and then he would take a shepherd's hook is what the scripture's talking about. He would push the enemy away from me, but yet he would bring the shepherd's crook and bring me close to him. And you know, in the old days, even with sheep, when they had, when a, a little lamb would wander away, sometimes when the shepherd would, would go get that sheep, he would actually break their leg. And you're like, ooh, broke the leg. He would actually break the sheep of the leg of the lamb and he would put it around his neck and he would carry it back to the fold. And you know, better a broken leg than to be destroyed by the enemy. And you know, sometimes as our father disciplines us, our heavenly father, sometimes my dad maybe put a, a, a breaking of the leg or a breaking of a spirit or a breaking of a habit or a breaking of something that he knew wasn't good for me, but it was his love bringing me back into that fold. God never gives up his gracious love on us. And I'm telling you, my dad never gave up on me and he never gave up on his gracious love. Look at 2 Samuel 7, 14 through 15. It says this, I will be a father to him and he'll be a son or daughter to me. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, but through the pitfalls and the opticals of this mortal life, I'll be there, and I will never remove my gracious love from him. How many know that you can never frustrate the grace and the love of God? My dad imitated that. You know, one time, me and my buddies, we got this uh, genius idea it, uh, we found out later it was a lame brain idea. But we got this idea that we would, um, I, I won an award to go to state FFA in uh, cattle judging, welding, and sheep production. So I, I went to state FFA to win some awards and stuff. And we got this idea, why don't we take Mark Puritan's car, gut the trunk out, drill a hole in the bottom, put a plug in it, and a big old uh, canvas tarp, and let's fill it full of ice and ice cold beer. And we thought, boy, we're gonna have a good time at state convention. We're gonna fill this, we're gonna drink till we're drunk. We're seven, 16, 17 years old. Uh, we're gonna do this. We're all excited this. We're all pumped up, and we followed through with it. Needless to say, two weeks later, I was sitting in the superintendent's office, and my dad was sitting there with his head down. And uh, I said, we found out what happened two weeks ago at State FFA. I hope you enjoyed that. And the superintendent was like coming down on me hard, coming down on us hard. He took his family, a family at a time. He was coming down on me hard. And he goes, young man, you were going to go to state track in the two-mile run and the two-mile relay and the mile run. You're disqualified. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere, and you're suspended for 21 days out of school. You'll have no grades in those times. He was tough on me. But when the superintendent walked out to go uh, talk to the other students that had this great idea, when he went out, my dad began to pull his handkerchief out. And he began 
he began to just spread his gracious love on me. He said, son, I don't know why you did that. I don't know why mom, where me and mom went wrong. I don't know what you were thinking about. I don't know what you were doing. But he said, I want you to know that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, we're going to make this, and I believe in you as my son. Now, some of you are like, ah, that's too easy. Should have whipped the tar out of you. I had plenty of whippings. But my dad knew how to balance when the rod needed to be brought and when compassion needed to be brought. And as parents, we need to know when the rod is brought is when you're breaking a spirit or you're breaking something down that's, that's, that's detrimental. But sometimes the rod doesn't need to be used or the harsh words or the strong language. And sometimes it needs to be a gentleness and a compassion. And the Bible says it's the long-suffering, it's the gentleness and the loving kindness of the Lord that draws men to repentance. And I want to tell you, on that particular situation, it wasn't a hard word from my dad. It was the gentleness, the compassionate, the long-suffering of the Lord that made, me, that made me have remorse for what I was doing. And that was actually the year that I started coming back to the Lord. So, you know, we kind of did that. Another time... After me and Carmen started dating, and I was really living for the Lord, I went up to my, uh, Carmen and I had made a really bad mistake, and we had done something as 18-year-olds as that a lot of people get into, but uh, we made a bad mistake, and as a Christian, I didn't want to make that mistake because I was trying to live pure and trying to live before the Lord and, and honor God with my life and stuff, and I was trying hard, but man, Things happen, and uh, I remember me and Carmen got afraid of our future. Going back to Bible college, how our future may change drastically because of some choices that we had made. And I remember getting to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, Dad, can I talk to you? I remember he took me in his bedroom at Branson, Missouri, and he took me in his bedroom, and I just started crying. And, I, and Dad was like, what's wrong, son? What's wrong, son? He put his arm around me. What's wrong, son? You can talk to me. You can tell me. I said, Dad, I'm really trying to be a Christian. I'm really trying to make right decisions. I'm really trying to do right things. I know you are, son. I, I know you are. What, what, what's? And I shared with him a mistake that, that I had made and the fear that I had of what my future was going to look like because it was going to change everything. And my dad said, son, I don't want you to worry about it. First of all, I'm going to pray with you, and God can forgive you of anything. And I already forgive you. And he said, it doesn't matter what happens in the future or what goes down. Me and Mom are going to stand with you. And you do have a future. You do have a hope. You do have a calling. And we're going to get through this. That's a shepherd bringing us back in the fold. You know, the Bible, yes, the Bible says the father of a righteous child has great joy. Children, when you do right things or make right choices, the Bible says the father of righteous children, man, that brings us great joy. A man who fathers a wise son that makes wise decision, the Bible says that brings the father rejoicing. That's Proverbs 23, 24. And then also in 3 John 1, 4, it says, it's the greatest joy of my life to hear, hear that my children are constantly living their lives in the way of truth. You know, we like that as parents. We, we like it when our kids are righteous and make right decisions, and it's great joy. But I want you to know, and I want you to know, Dad, as you watch this, thank you for being my shepherd. 
Thank you for helping me when I didn't do the right things. He always was so compassionate. His love was so, always covered me. The Bible says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. He'll sound me with hope. You're going to be delivered. You know, even the prodigal son, when he went out and sowed all of his, his inheritance on wild living and partying and doing stuff wrong, and he left dad and said, up yours, dad. I'm going to live like I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do, live like I want to live. He went out and spent all of his inheritance, and the Bible says that he ended up in a pig pen eating slop with the pigs, and he was like, man, it was sure a whole lot better when I was living with my dad. It was a whole lot better when I was living with my dad. And it says that he decided to go back home. Well, what that scripture says, and my dad was always this. Every time that I went astray, every time that I got in his face, every time that I yelled, every time that, that, that I would be rebellious and tell him what I was going to do and where, how I was going to live, my dad, I'm telling you, that, that, that dad of that prodigal, the Bible says he watched the horizon every day, praying and anticipating for his son to come home. And the Bible says that when he saw one day that his son was coming over the horizon, he pulled up his skirt and he ran down to the end of, of the road and he embraced his son and he kissed him and he threw a great party because his son was home. I'm telling you, my dad always covered me and helped me find my way. He always covered me until. Everybody say he covered me until. If you're watching online chat, he covers me until. The Bible says above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Jeremiah 31, three says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I'm telling you, God is faithful to us when we aren't faithful to him. And my dad imitated that even when I wasn't faithful, he was faithful. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, seven, it says, love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Not to say that my dad was perfect. If you're a father sitting out there today, like myself, sometimes in the quiet moments, we have some regrets. We have some things we'd like to have done different. We had some moments we wish we could take back. Not to say my dad was perfect. Man, he had a hot temper. In fact, we always talk about the Garfield temper. Grand, grandpa had it. Then dad had it. And man, the old Garfield temper, the, eyes are, the eyebrows go up and the eyes start dancing. And you start trembling if you're, the, if you're having to see that. Well, one day we was laughing about the, one day down in Baton Rouge when I was in college, Carmen and I had dad and mom over at the house and we were laughing one day and talking about the Garfield temper and, and oh geez, do I have to say this? Uh, I had to buy Carmen, we were talking about how the Garfield temper and I had to go buy Carmen this like $40 plant because I yelled at her. Like our first year of being married, I yelled at her and so Mom and dad was like, beautiful plant. Uh-huh, let me tell you where I got that. Your son, and then begins to tell the story. Well, we were laughing about the Garfield temper and, and stuff, and, 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 and we were laughing about some of the things dad had done. My dad just 
broke down. Broke down, and he, he just started weeping. He just started crying. He wept, and he said, man, I'm ashamed, and I have so many things I wish I could take back. And you know, over the years, I've seen my dad change. Kids, we got to, just like they let you change, you got to let your parents change too. We're all doing the best we can, you know. I saw my dad change over the years. Even though I wasn't at home, I saw the change. It actually inspired me to change. And I'll tell you, the Garfield temper has stopped in my family because we put a stop to it, and it's not to our children. Amen? But every, every, and every, everybody, everybody can think, if you're a young person, if you're a teenager, if you're a child, I want everybody to hear this point. This one the Holy Spirit amplified to me. Every center, we all can think of incidents where our parents didn't do the right thing. But I believe God wants us to let it go. All parents have regrets. And probably the thing that you are heard about, the parent probably feels real bad about it. And it means a lot. And I've had these conversations with my kids. They're all in their 30s now, but, or 20s and 30, low 30s. But we've had these conversations. And man, when they talk to me about it, it just kind of relieves some stuff I'm carrying. So kids, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're 30 and you need to talk to your dad. Or maybe you're 15 and you need to talk to your dad. Open up that line of communication. Guys, listen to this scripture. This is prophetic on opening up our hearts to each other. Listen to this. The Bible says that God will turn the hearts of the father to the children. And the hearts of the children to the father. I believe God wants to do that today. That if things aren't right in relationship between fathers and daughters and sons, that by the Spirit, God is turning that father's heart to you, child, and he's turning the child's heart to the father. And there really can be reconciliation. I really felt that. But my dad, he was always so kind and sympathetic. And he took times to teach me things and let me learn by my mistakes. I'm going to give some farming examples because I grew up on a farm. But at 12, well, he stuck me on a rake at age 8, and we raked hay. At 12, he put me on a 190XT diesel tract, Alice Chalmers tractor, and he put me on a 16-foot disc that just plows up the field, and he left me to finish the field. Dad said to me, he said, son, this tractor overheats, and when this tractor overheats, stop. Let it idle a few minutes, and then turn it off for about 15 minutes. Take a break. Take a break. Turn it off about 15 minutes, and then, and then come back, start it up, and you can go again. But watch that temperature. Well, it went up in the hot, and I was like, ooh, I got a dad said stop. It went up to the hot. Dad said stop, so I stopped. Well, I didn't do very good in the waiting time. I looked down between my legs, and there was two gallons of water laying between my legs and I kept looking up at that radiator cap and I thought I'm going to help this tractor cool down and so I grabbed those gallons and I crawled up on the tire and I turned that cap and all of a sudden whoo, it looked like a geyser all this hot hot water came out and scorched my chest and hit a little bit of my face burnt me bad and I ran, I ran to the house, and, 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 and Dad 
instead of yelling at me, son, what was you doing? I told you not to do that and all this, that. He helped me learn through my mistakes. He went down. He didn't let me go in the house and give up. He went back. We put the water in, put the can, put the cap back on. He put some gel on my chest, bandaged me up. And he said, we're going to go back and drive that tractor because I don't want you to be afraid to drive in the future. He helped me through the mistakes. When I got a little bit, of old, when I got a little bit older, it was age 14, I got to drive the 7060 tractor with a 25-foot disc. And we had this irrigator out there, an irrigator that waters the crops. And it had these uh, iron wheels on it. Dad said, Brian, stay away from that irrigator. Stay away from that irrigator because we have to move the irrigator and then we'll work the ground under it. Well, I was really doing good running the tractor and, and doing all this stuff. And I kept inching a little bit closer to that irrigator, a little bit closer. And then I started kind of weaving in between the tires of that irrigator. And then all of a sudden I was driving and all of a sudden the tractor went whoop and stopped and died. And I'd hooked that disc on the irrigator. And anyway, uh, 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 and, and then I panicked, and I put it in reverse and backed up real crowd and put it in forward and just kept going back and forth. I pulled that whole irrigator tower, leaned it, and, and trying to get that left. I walked up, finished the field. I walked up. I was like, oh, man, I can't tell Dad what I just did. Brian, uh, Dad was standing with our hired hand, Morse, and he, and he looked, and he said, Morse? Does it look to you like that irrigator's leaning a little bit? <laughs> Does it look like that irrigator's leaning a little bit? And Moore said, I believe it does. Dad said, you need to go check it out. And I was like, hey, Dad, I'll talk to you later. I'm tired. I need to go inside. <laughs> and then Dad comes in. He's like, Brian, did you hit that irrigator? Oh, no, Dad, I didn't hit that irrigator. You told me to stay away away. I didn't hit that irrigator. But anyway, uh, I found out later and not listening to my dad. And by the way, he was kind of tough on that one. <laughs> he was a little tough on that one. So if you get the tough talk, that's good for us too. But man, later, something he never did is he never made me feel guilty about it forever. But, but, but I found out later it took like $2,000 to cut that. But he was always kind and compassionate. Second point is my dad always taught me. I like this. He taught me to go after my dreams. My dad was a learner. He was a planner. He was an innovator. My dad was always reading, always reading, always growing in knowledge, always researching, always asking questions, always studying, always, he, he was always doing that. My dad used to tell me, and I had to tell myself a lot because this church was built with volunteers. My dad always said, son, if you don't know how to do something, get around somebody that knows how to do it. Ask them a bunch of questions. Watch what, you, watch what they're doing. And if they can do it, you can do it. And so I always kind of kept that with me. He was a learner. He was a learner. He was somebody that applied himself to wisdom. He was also a planner. At night, my dad, you always, dad like drew out the house. He was always drawing stuff because we had, we farmed over 2,000 acres and had a big operation. But dad was always planning. He was always always uh, architecting things that he was imagining in his head. My, my, my dad was an in innovator. He, he, he would always be drawing stuff. You'd have, you'd have thought he was an architect. He would always get in his whitey tighties. How many know what whitey tighties are? <laughs> He'd always get in his whitey tighties and lay on the floor. He's always drawing, but he was also an innovator. 
My dad built the first pig farrowing barn that was, you could put 10 sows in at a time. That's the mother hog. You could put 10 sows in at a time and it had electric waters and it also had water that would push out the manure and would spray it out. And it also had feed that was in bins that would automatically feed. My dad, my dad thought that up. My dad was the first one to do that in that area. And it got where farmers all would come over and, and Purina and places would come and they'd take pictures of what my dad did and other people began to do it too. My dad was also the first guy in Barton County that put up an irrigator, the one I tore down. <laughs> he put it up. My dad got a bulldozer. He had a dream. He said, we got to water these crops so we can get more bushels per acre. And, and he studied, he researched, he planned how to do it. Then he rented a, a, a bulldozer. And guys, we dug out a 24-acre lake. All the farmers were laughing at my dad. Boy, what's Larry building a 24-acre lake for? It was 24, 30 feet deep in the deep ends. Well, my dad had a vision to irrigate crops. And so he, and he was the first. But anyway, he built that. He, he, we put it in. We started irrigating the crops because he was always planning. He was always being an innovator. And actually, in 1983, my dad was farmer of the year in the state of Missouri. He was always moving. But my point on this is dads, challenge your kids to be learners. Challenge them to go after their dreams. Tell them they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. I mean, find out what your kids' dreams are and help them go after it. My dad modeled that. He was a learner. He was a planner. He was an innovator. And my dad also taught me that to secure your dreams means that you have to work hard. Anybody out there say amen? You have to work hard. You know, in the beginning of farming, he was an electrician by day and farmer by, net, by night. But he taught us if you worked hard for your dream, you could have it. He had an incredible work ethic. My dad would get on a hay wagon in weather like we had a couple weeks ago. He would ride a hay wagon and he'd stack 120-pound bales from daylight to dusk, wagon after wagon after wagon, throwing hay over his head. And then after all that was done, then he would do chores when he got home. And then he'd find a little bit of sleep and do what he had to do. He was a hard worker. And you know, you might not enjoy the hard work while you're doing it, but how many knows it feels real good after you're done? Anybody out there? Feels real good after you're done. He taught me to work hard and go after your dreams. He taught me to persevere. Persevere through hardships. If you're farming 2,000 acres, we were farming 2,000 acres, and all of a sudden, we planted 600 acres of beans. And what I'm hoping you do with my farmer illustrations, you're thinking of illustrations in your head of your life. But we planted 600 acres of beans, and then we got like two or three, I think it's like two weeks of rain. Every one of those beans, it takes thousands it takes a lot to put the crop in, the fuel, the time, the fertilizer, doing all that. It's, it's a lot. Well, anyway, we did all that. All that rain rotted out the beans. The beans rotted in the ground. I remember dad used to go out and poke the ground, and he's like, it's rotten. There's no beans in the ground. Well, he could have sat there and cried till he died, but dad figured out a way to get the funds 
and to still pursue his dream and not let a setback set him back, but let it be a step up. And we got those beans in. We got those beans in and we had a great crop that year. He always taught me where there's a will, there's a way. I like this illustration. Young people, if you're starting to get bored, listen up. You might like this one. He taught me toughness. He taught me toughness. Again, a farming illustration. He taught me toughness. One day we were doctoring pigs. And what that means is this farrowing barn that my dad made. They all have huts and all the pigs are inside. We've already taken the mom away from the pigs. Well, I was the guy that got inside and caught the pigs. And I lifted them over the hut and then I climbed out of the hut and with my brothers we jumped on the pig and we cut their teeth we cut their tail and we castrate them and we gave them vaccination I know I know you don't want to know that but anyway you, you need to know a little bit about farming stuff <laughs> but 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 anyway but anyway listen anyway I put the pig out I put the pig out and, and I was starting to jump over the thing out of the hut and right when I jumped out of the hut my dad took the utility knife that he was doing the you know what to the pig he took the utility knife and he pulled it back boom right in my leg so utility knife stuck in my leg and dad pulls it out I mean it opened up I, I, I still have let me show you this scar no <laughs> I still have the I still have the, the, the scar on there. But 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 anyway, uh, um 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 dad was like, Boy, quit your crying. Quit your crying. It's you're gonna live. You're gonna live, boy, quit your crying. And and he goes, Hand me that hand me that uh disin what do you call the spray that disinfects? Huh? anesthetic whatever it is it was purple it was purple in a spray gun that you sprayed so they didn't get infected the pigs my dad grabs me takes the purple spray can and paints my whole leg purple and he says son hand me the duct tape and then he takes duct tape and wraps it around my leg and then he says now quit your whining and go get another pig you know what? That's a funny story. But I'm serious. That kind of stuff taught me toughness. Sometimes I can't get, sometimes the whining I hear. Huh, it's too hard. And man, there is so much whining. I mean, I look at some people and they're in like great situations. And not only the situation they're in, it's not only a great situation. God actually gave them that situation. God actually gave them that job. God actually gave them that opportunity. And the least bit of, of, of trouble or the day, a day, oh, I don't feel like going to work or, oh, it's too stressful or whatever. We just all start a whining. We just start whining and crying about the blessing that God gives us. Hey, guys, I've been compassionate in this sermon, but sometimes we need to belly up, man up, pull ourselves up to the table and get some toughness. Get some toughness. My dad, he taught us toughness. If you're going to win in this life and go after dreams, you got to be tough. And the other thing about my dad is we worked hard. Seriously, I had to chore before I went to school and then chore when I got home from school. He, he, we, we learned, I mean, I was, we, farmers work. We learned, we, we worked hard, 
But my dad also played hard. He played hard. My dad took, my dad took four acres of farmland. Four acres of, well, just imagine a baseball field because my dad was always in doing things right. My dad took four acres and didn't plant it to crops. And he planted beautiful grass in the outfield. We brought in amazing sand dirt and he built us boys a baseball field. Put a, put a, put a, uh, put a net up behind. Our baseball field was actually better than the Lamar Park systems. I mean, they would ask to come play at our baseball field because we could always keep it up. My, and then every Sunday, my dad played hard. He had fun. Every Sunday, dad would invite church people over and neighbors, and we'd play baseball together, and we'd laugh, and we'd have a good time. I remember one day dad said, hey, we need to go camping as a family. And he went out in the boneyard. Boneyard, to you city people, is a place where we put all the stuff we don't use anymore. He went out and found a pair of wheels and a good axle, pulls it into the garage, and a week later, we have a camping trailer, a built-in camping trailer with a kitchen and a bathroom that you could do. Uh, you, you, it, my dad, he worked hard, but he played hard. Dad used to take me everywhere. Man, we would go to, we'd go to town. We'd go to town. And he always, he, he, remember we talked about being present. He didn't let things going on around him to keep from being present when we were in the truck together. No matter all he had going. And my dad, I said he was fun. We just, he would just sing. And he would look at me, when I was, a, when I was in elementary school, he would look at me and he'd say, Brian, do you remember Sweet Betsy from Pike? And I was like, no, Dad, no. Who's Sweet, Sweet Betsy from Pike? And he'd say, did you ever hear of Sweet Betsy from Pike? She crossed the right prairies with her husband, Ike, with two yoke of cattle and a one-spotted hog, tall Shanghai rooster, and an old yeller dog. He would sing that, and I would just say, they fought with the Indians, they fought with them. I mean, he would sing it, and he would, t and it got where I sang it, but I'm telling you, when I got in high school, when he'd say, did you ever hear Sweet Betsy? I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and now my kids, hey, every one of my kids, if any of them are here today, go up and ask them to sing Sweet Betsy from Pike, because they know it too. All right? Hey, finally, 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 God, my dad taught me this. To love the Lord God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. This is the first and greatest, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is equally important. How many know love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind? How many know that? Raise your hand, raise your hand. How many know that the second is equally important? And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. My dad modeled what it meant to love God. My, ma my dad made sure, he didn't wait for the church to do it. My dad made sure that, my, that his sons knew about salvation, that they knew about Jesus Christ, that they were water baptized on their own decision. My dad taught us to pray and, re and read the word and to practice God first living. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tables of your heart. And then you'll win favor and a good sight in, in God and man. My dad was always telling us of the face of God and binding the scriptures to our neck and putting them on the tables of our heart. He was always doing that. Dad taught us to love the Lord God with all of his heart. You know something else my dad did? Is he never worked on Sunday. He never worked on Sunday. As a farmer, that just wasn't done. Farmers, you work on Sunday. You got to get her in when the time's right. My dad said, no, I'm not working on Sunday. Other farmers work on Sunday, but I'm not working on Sunday. If they want to do that, that's between them and the Lord, and I'm not going to judge them, but I'm not going to do that. He knew if, you, if he took care of God's house, God would take care of his. My brothers and I never missed Sunday school. We went to a Methodist church. We never missed Sunday school. I'm saying never missed. In the beginning, I mean, because every year in Sunday school, you get these pins. Every year I'd get a pin. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Grew up this senior. Here's an award. You never miss Sunday school. My dad wanted me to know the scriptures. He wanted me to know the Bible stories. Do our kids even know scriptures and Bible stories together? It needs to be important to us. My dad made sure that that happened. And I'll tell you, at first, you know, you go to church, you're happy about it, but how many teenagers today came to church kicking and screaming? <laughs> I did too. I did too, but when you get older, um, you'll be glad your parents had you do that. The Bible says, start your children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. The Bible dad said, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Anybody out there, as for me and my household, we're going to save the Lord. And then the second part of that scripture is he modeled what it meant to love your neighbor. Paint a picture. What's that mean, Brian? I'm just going to tell you what I saw, but you got to adapt it to your life. He helped the neighbors put their... My dad, when, my dad, when he got through farming, he would find the neighbors that weren't through farming. And on his own diesel fuel and with his own equipment, he would go to the neighbor's house and we helped each other plant the fields. My dad did that. When we talked about vaccinating pigs and cattle and cattle roundups, and my dad was always at the neighbor's house. Even if he was busy, he was always helping them vaccinate their, their animals. He would help with the hay season. What are you saying? Man, love your neighbor. Let's get out of our walls and start meeting some needs. My dad was always ready to lend. He always said, it's not mine, it's the Lord. If people ask for it, Brian, give it to them. And many times, listen to this. Many times, many times farmers would come over. Listen to this. They would borrow equipment. Are you okay? Did you get a B? Oh, man, you handled that beautifully. Give her a hand, did she? She did that with such grace. Amazing. Man, I'd have been screaming and yelling. You were like, <laughs> man, you have grace, girl. Good job. But anyway, uh, my, my dad would loan stuff out, and it would come back broke. It would come back broke. Every time he lent it out, it came back broke. He'd just fix it, never say a thing about it. And guess what he'd do? Everybody say he lends it again. He'd lend it again. 
The other thing my dad did, I only got two more stories. We're almost done. The other thing my dad did is he planted four acres of sweet corn every year. And he put it all in on his own dollar. And then he would invite all the neighbors and all the church people to come and pick all the sweet corn they wanted. And he did not charge for it. Nor did he ever say, hey, boys, load the back of the pickup up, take it to town and sell it. Not saying that's bad. I'm just saying we're talking about sharing. My dad shared with his neighbors. He shared. And the greatest thing my dad shared, and this is my last story, is um, mom and dad had a weekly Bible study as long as I can remember. Every week. Every week they had a weekly Bible study. And our living room was probably about from, from here to Laura and about twice as wide. That living room would be full of people with Bibles open. It was neighbors. It was church people. But they shared their faith. I, I remember in my wild years, I'd come home after I had a few. Wasn't walking too straight. <laughs> they put my bedroom right in the living room. <laughs> I'd come home not in a good spot. I had to be home at 11:30, and I'd be trying. I was like, "Just concentrate. You can walk steady. Just 12 feet." <laughs> and man, I'd walk. Seriously, 11:30 at night, those people would still be there praying. And if I'd walk through, they'd say, "Everybody, just lift a prayer for my son Brian." <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> uh, hey today hopefully hopefully you received something that inspired you father in the name of jesus let's just stand to our feet today father in the name of jesus we just come to you today and lord we thank you that you have been a good good father to us you've been a loving a compassionate an enduring father lord we thank you today for the earthly dads that represent you and represent you well. And Lord, for the dads here today that might have felt something that pricked their heart a little bit, hey, there's no condemnation in it. If you're humble and you're like, man, I need work on that. Don't, don't, all right, that's all God needs. Now, don't, don't keep feeling bad and don't condemn, don't regret. I want you to chart, just talk to God a minute and chart your forward path. What's your forward path going to be, Dad? You're going to teach your children to be learners and planners and innovators and to go after their dreams. Maybe some of us dads need to be more present and stop the internal dialogue of work and truly be focused in on your children. It's not too late. It's not too late. Just, hey, right where you're at, just tell God you want that. Maybe God's telling you you need to teach your children some toughness. Lord, what's that look like? Maybe some of you need to stop being so critical. Stop having such expectations and you got to give them time to grow. If that's you, Dad, just say, man, Lord, 
You know, the Bible says the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is love and its varied expressions. It's joy that overflows. It's peace that subdues and patience that endures. Just ask the Lord for a little bit of patience while you're enduring with some things, maybe with your kids. If you've got children that aren't bringing you a lot of joy and because they're making bad decisions and not living righteous, you know, the Bible said it brings joy when they are, but if they're not, just I pray right now that you'd be filled today, that you're going to make it through this time. And I, I really want to put a strong emphasis on this. If you, I don't care what age you are. If you're a child, 12 years old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, don't be afraid to talk to your parent. And if you've been afraid before, they heard this message and they're not going to be, they're going to be glad you talked to them. But if there's some division or there's some pain or there's some hurt between a father and a daughter and a son, even if you're 40 today, I want you to claim that scripture I preached today that the father's heart's going to be turned to the children and the children's heart's going to be given back into daddy's hands. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that, 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 that dads would turn their heart to their children in humility and honest communication and admit they may not have always done things right and that mom and dad are growing too. But Lord, I also pray today that the children's heart will be turned to the parent and they'll say, it's okay. In Jesus' name, I speak blessings over this people.